It's good to be back. It's good to be back. <laughs> uh, last week, I was in Toronto with my wife and her family celebrating Greek Easter. And one of the good things about being married to a Greek woman is you get to celebrate Easter twice. And that's not something I want to complain about. Thank you, Roger, for the heartfelt song and, and worship. And just a journey that um, together we've, we've shared over the last little while together. It's, uh, it's been a blessing to be uh, journeying with you. Got to keep it together here. <laughs> anyway, we all have burdens. Some are small. Others are big. Some are temporary. Others are of more permanent nature. Some situations feel like little tremors that reverberate constantly in our day-to-day -day lives. Others feel like an earthquake that leave you feeling like the situation you're in is insurmountable. We cannot escape the reality that we will experience tribulations in this beautiful, yet imperfect and sinful world. And the older we get, the more burdens we will have to face, the more obstacles we will encounter. The good news is we have a God who is willing to walk with us through our pains and sorrows, as we just heard this morning, uh, sung by our brother Kwamba, whereby we can receive comfort and expand our souls through these moments. As I reflected on what to say on a day like today when we gather for our usual time of worship, but also to review and think ahead of the ministry of our church, what I like James renamed our annual general meeting to a time of celebration and worship, a time to reflect on what the church has done, a time to reflect on where we can go from here. I chose to exhort on a verse which has lingered for me with me now for a few weeks. I don't know why, but it just, it's been there. And uh, it has served me well navigating through my own recent challenges. It is one verse, 11 words. And it's found in Galatians 6.2. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Simple, but has a lot of meat, a lot of substance. While the law of Christ is also mentioned one other time in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 9, 21. It nowhere specifically defines what precisely is the law of Christ. Most Bible teachers understand the law of Christ to be what Christ stated were the greatest commandments in Mark 12, 29 to 31. And when Jesus is disputing with the uh, scribes, and the teachers of the law, he gives them this answer. He says, the most important thing is here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Two commandments both equally important. So in the time we have this morning, I want to try to unpack a little bit more that verse in Galatians 6.2 and also how it um, correlates 
with this verse in Mark, specifically the part of loving your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Father, I want to take the time to continue to pray for my brother Roger and, and just his um, healing and uh, um, his progression in moving through his grief. Also want to pray for Maddie Kitsia and Maddie Odette as they um, go about life now um, under a new reality and we pray, Lord, that they would be sustained and they would feel your love and would feel your presence even in this time. Father, we thank you that as a church, we sometimes function well. And we, we, we do the things that you asked us to do. We can do better. So we ask you, Lord, by your spirit to lead us on. Lead us into... Um, Type, to be the type of church that would fill these greatest commandments. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, we have much to be thankful for, especially when we consider the fact that we who have put our trust in Christ as our personal Lord and Savior are heirs of a loving God who knows us intimately. Upon trusting him, we become beneficiaries of, an ir of irrevocable promises that include the fact that he will not leave us nor forsake us as we are sojourners in this world. No matter how gusty the wind swirled or how choppy the waters get, we have a promise from God that he will not abandon us. I came to faith some 25 years ago. May 4th will be exactly 25 years. That is unquestionably the greatest decision of my life. And I'm hoping that you would feel the same if you made that same decision for your life. If you haven't decided that for yourself, that is to be born again, as we call it, I urge you to consider that as a priority because it is the most transformative choice towards shaping a proper identity of yourself establishing your confidence, and defining your purpose in life. But more importantly, God's purpose for you. You heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. The two most important days of your life are the day you were born, and then the day you find out why. Nothing is more important than to know God and to be known by God. I'm reminded when I look back at the Old Testament how lucky we are to be living during these times even though we are facing all kinds of tribulations. In the days of Jeremiah, God made a promise to the Jews who were acting disobediently and were eventually sent into exile to Babylon because of their bad deeds, because of their desire to pursue other gods, because of their tendency to beat, torture, and even kill the prophets that God was sending. A promise was made through the promised Jer Jeremiah that those things would change. In Jeremiah 31, 30, 31, verses 31 to 34, we read the following. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, 
not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So today we know that this prophecy was fulfilled in Christ, and when we accepted him, we basically received sort of a spiritual heart transplant. The law of God now functions within us, whether we like it or not, through the work of the Holy Spirit, who becomes our comforter and becomes our teacher. And as our comforter and as our teacher, we are reminded that we are loved. We are freed from the bondage of the hundreds of commands in the Old Testament law, and that our response to that love is to love others as God has loved us. That's what we call being under grace. 1 John 4, 7, 8 declares, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. 1 John 5, 3 continues, This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. So it is important to note that even though we are under grace, we still have responsibilities to fulfill. Freedom in Christ does not mean freedom from responsibility. But this charge to love one another should not be a heavy burden. Otherwise, it would make Jesus a liar in some way. Because he says in Matthew 11.30, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You get that? My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When we respond to the law of Christ by loving others, we're not simply checking off a list of commands that we have successfully obeyed. We are responding to God's affection for us which in turn creates a mechanism for our own purification, for our own consolation, which we call sanctification. It is responsibility with a reward. Paul articulates the gospel message plainly in Galatians 5, 6. This is one of my favorite verses in the, the entire Bible because it says against so much. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for any, anything. And what he's referring to in this part of the verse is all the Old Testament laws, all the Old Testament commands, which he captures in circumcision. But only faith working through love. It sounds simple, right? That's because it is simple. 
However, as the sin goes, we are prone to wonder. We are prone to satisfy, want to satisfy the flesh. I think one of the biggest challenges we have in the church is that instead of loving one another, we may end up biting and devouring one another. And that's unfortunate because that leads to destruction. We are really enjoying lately doing the Emotional Healthy Relationships course. At least I am. And the people that I'm speaking with that are part of the course are enjoying it as well. And the reason for that is because it gives practical tools in terms of how we go about loving one another. I think we know it in theory. We know what God expects from us in theory. But how does it function practically? And this is something that I'm really enjoying, being part of this course, which is just a tool. It's just a tool to fulfill the law of Christ. So I want to take some time now to look at some of the types of burdens that we all struggle with, that we all share. And you'll see that um, on the slide here. The first one is, is physical burdens. Uh, we all deal with body and brain disease in some way or another. And, and I mentioned brain because I don't want to say mental health. I'm, I'm starting to not like that term. Um, because the brain is part of the body. And um, for some people, they are born with, with that. It's just something that they've inherited. For others, it's been, it's been an accident, perhaps, that led to, to that. But we know for sure that with the kind of stress we're living in today, in today's world, that it's producing a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, depression in people, not to mention the fact that we are going through a pandemic. And then, of course, there's uh, the type of poverty that is physical in terms of lacking basic needs. The second one I, I put here is emotional. One of the burdens we carry is the fact that we will endure grief and loss and experience sadness. Another will be anger. We will be disappointed in ourselves and others from time to time. We will experience a betrayal. We might uh, have endured abuse, whether that is physical and or emotional. We carry with us many different fears. I know I do. This is one of my weak spots. I'm fearful. That fear comes from a place of insecurity. It could be related to your career. It could be related to what's going on in your family. It could be that you don't fit in. You're just that extra piece. You're slipping between two chairs. There is something called relational poverty. And that's been exacerbated by the, the COVID and the pandemic. There's something called the Rosetta effect, which um, uh, I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, the Rosetta effect is something that uh, happens when 
A community is close-knit and cohesive. The term comes from a study that was made in a little community called Rosetto in Pennsylvania in the 1960s where they tried to see what was the cause that people in that community did not have heart disease. It seemed very strange that in this community there was very little heart disease, despite the fact that the people that were living there, which were Italian-Americans, immigrants, uh, didn't have the best diets. They ate a lot of fat, they drank a lot of wine, but what they did have was community. What they did have was somewhere to turn to when things got tough. And that gave them a, uh, uh, a calmness or a created a stressless type environment. It turns out years later, when the community changed, their demographics looked very much the same like every other community. The thing that changed is that the community was not as close-knit and as cohesive. So we need community. Another type of um, burden is spiritual. Uh, I've named a few here, one being faith, another could be idleness, it could be greed, lust, envy, and we can experience from time to time a moral failure. And finally, we have financial burdens. Uh, one of the big uh, issues again today is workplace stress. Uh, many people are struggling in, the, in their jobs, many people have high demands in their careers, and, and that leads to problems. Uh, bills, debt management, bankruptcy are all part of the financial burdens we can, we can experience. So let's take a quick glance at this list. And is any wonder why we are instructed to carry one another's burdens? It's a big list, and it's not an exhaustive list. Brothers and sisters, we need each other more now than ever. That's probably why Jesus, when he was on the cross and saw his mother and the disciple who he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. In one of the darkest times of human history, our Lord reminded us that in the storm, we have to look after each other. We need to look after each other. Perhaps this is the best explanation of what it means to fulfill the law of Christ. I want to suggest to you this morning a couple of things that we could do to do that, to fulfill in a way and support ourselves in carrying one another's burdens. There are three R's. It just happened they were three R's. I didn't plan it, but here they are, three R's. The first one is readiness. And it's important for us to set aside proper amount of time, sacrificing a reasonable margin in our lives to be available to act on somebody else's behalf. And the parable of the Good Samaritan is a good illustration of this, right? The Good Samaritan was prepared he made time, he had some bandwidth in his life 
that enabled him to respond when needed. The second thing is to practice incarnational or active listening. Being a non-anxious presence is important. David Augsburger, an Anabaptist author, is famously quoted as saying, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. There's a survey that says that 70% of problems can be solved through listening. And it is an art. It's something we could learn. It's not made just for some people. It's for all of us. And again, in this, this course that we're doing together, it gives practical tools to be able to do that effectively and lovingly. The third uh, point under this is to develop the art of patience. I say that because when, when I look into the first, the last, the letter to Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 13, 13, 14, it says, be at peace amongst yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. You see, that, that list is all-encompassing. There's some that are idle, some that are faint-hearted, and some that will, are weak and may always remain weak. But we need to be patient with them all. Another point is that we need to learn to process our own emotions to be better equipped to help, help others. If we ourselves are suffering with difficult emotions, that does not enable us to uncover pleasurable feelings that we can have while being in the Lord. It's kind of like that thing of being in, in the airplane where you need to put on your mask before you help somebody else. And, and it's important for us to do that. It's important for us to, to dig deeper within ourselves to be able to better help and be available for others. The second R is resourcefulness. And in resourcefulness, I want to suggest another five things. One is to commit to ongoing learn, learning and Bible reading. And I know we say this often, but it can't be said enough. Because that is where we get our instruction. That is where we get the tools we need to come alongside others and also to encourage ourselves. Cultivate healthy relationships. It's important that we develop uh, a good inner circle of people to support ourselves when we are going through challenging times. We don't create those relationships when the earthquake happens. That's not the best time to set up these relationships. We need to set them up so that when the earthquake comes, we are prepared and we are supported. We are better supported. This often happens in relationships we have in small groups. But it doesn't have to be only small groups. It could be anywhere. It usually doesn't happen on a Sunday morning where we have a quick chat. It may require us to, to have a, a meeting at some point and, and get to know each other better and to listen to one another and make those emotional connections that we need. The third one, I use kind of a military term here. Stockpile a list of resources that you can readily refer to or make available to someone in need. And 
I use that military term because Paul often does that. He tries to emphasize a message by, by making these type of analysis. But we need to be kind of uh, storing for ourselves. It's like, there's got to be a sense of urgency about this. That uh, because it's our greatest duty, that we should be urgently look, seeking to, to, to put things in, and, and, and accumulate resources that we can readily refer to or make available to someone in need. The, the fourth point is engage in hospitality. A lot happens around the dinner table and in community. And sadly, we have missed that uh, in, during this time of COVID. Um, we need to uh, get this going again. And thankfully, we are with, with coffee time starting slowly. But we need to be inviting people more into our homes and sharing time together over, over a meal or over coffee. And finally, learn to identify and use your giftings for the profit of others. And again, I mentioned here, listening and patience. Um, you may not know what your gifts are right now, and, you, and we all have them. Uh, but one thing we all can get busy doing if we're, we don't know yet where to start is to become better li listeners and to be more patient with ourselves and with one another. And lastly, the last R is restfulness. And um, I want to suggest to you that it's important to Sabbath. And it's something I've been thinking about much lately. As a matter of fact, I am taking the Sabbath this, this summer for three months. And because I feel that I've, I've been feeling since December that I need it. I need to spend time with the Lord under his counsel. And uh, it's biblical. And um, in this fast-paced life that we live, we don't realize sometimes uh, how much we are hurting ourselves. And so I'm glad that the elders are supporting me in this. And, uh, and I look forward to being rejuvenated uh, in these three months. But this is not something we, we could only do periodically. A Sabbath could happen every day. You could take time and pause and be with the Lord. It could happen weekly, a weekly Sabbath. And even if it's for a few hours, if it's not a full day. But just to get into the habit of pausing and breathing, as Nathaniel did for us this morning, and uh, getting our strength from God. Secondly, to dedicate ourselves to prayer, reflection, and times of restoration. This, this sounds the same, but it's not. And um, I can tell you that there's... There's no better way to help somebody when you don't know exactly what it is to do than to pray for them, to pray for them, because those prayers are felt, and those prayers help those whose lives are burdened. Engage in a hobby or activity that invigorates the soul, or otherwise disengage a hobby that doesn't invigorate the soul and affects you spiritually. Uh, many, uh, there's many unhealthy habits, many unhealthy hobbies these days. And I know there's uh, lots of people spending way too much time playing either computer games or uh, anything else that's distracting through technology. Um, 
and, and it's pulling us away from each other and, and becoming, uh, creating a more uh, isolating um, existence. And then finally, connect with God through his creation and sit under his counsel. This is often how I sit under God's counsel. I have a couple places I go to that are nearby, uh, and I just walk in there, and I just take the time to find a place where I could sit under the counsel of God. No words, nothing special. Just let him speak to me. So, in conclusion, I want to, uh, I have a few questions I would like for you to consider. Um, four questions. The first one is, am I adequately managing my time and resources as I consider what it means to fulfill the, the law of Christ? Now think about the way you're managing your time and what it means to fulfill the law of Christ. Are we doing wise time management? Secondly, do I need to do less taking and more giving or more taking and less giving? Both of these are bad. Okay, you got to be somewhere in the middle. But there are some people who, be, who tend to be energy takers, some who are energy givers. Now, the energy takers have to do a little bit more giving. And the ones who are the givers need to, to establish better boundaries and let go a little bit of the Messiah complex of having to be uh, uh, filling every need. Third question, are there areas in my life that need attention?